This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I started a series of messages last week, and we talked about Fitness 2019. And last week, we talked about the most important fitness, and that is spiritual fitness, spiritual fitness. And today, we come to message number two, and it is relational fitness. Next week, I'm going to be talking to you about financial fitness. I want you to take your Bible, your iPad, whatever you have. I want you to stand. If you don't have any of that, the scriptures are on the screen. We're going to go to the very first book. It's an easy book to find. It's the book of Genesis. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. And I want to call your attention to verse 15. Look what the Bible says. Genesis 2, 15. I want you to stretch and uh, get real comfortable. I'm going to preach an hour and 15 minutes. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. This is what the Bible says. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and keep it. Is it biblical for a man to work? Very biblical. Amen? Amen. I've often said there won't anything work in your life until you do. There won't anything work until you do. Okay. Now, verse 16 says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Folks, I want to talk to you about relational fitness. How to get relationally fit. Somebody said in the eons of time, Genesis 2 and 7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. God took dirt. He created man. Somebody said that God looked that man over from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And after looking that man over, God said, I can do better. And he created woman. I don't know about that, perhaps, but I do know that God is the creator. Amen? God created the world, the rocks, the reels, the holes, the hills, the birds, the bees, the flowers, and the trees. Amen? God is the creator. And as I was studying creation, I noticed in Genesis 1 and 4, God created and God said, this is good. And then I read Genesis 1 and 10, and God created again, and God said, this is good. And then I read Genesis 1 and 12, and God created, and God said, this is good. And then I read Genesis 1 and 18, and God created, and God said, this is good. And then I read Genesis 1 and 21, and it says, God created, and God said, this was good. And then I read Genesis 1 and 25, and God created more, and God said, this is good. It's good. And then I go to Genesis 2.18, and God had been saying how good things were. And then God says this, this is not good. This is not good. What did God say to us? 
God said when we don't have relationship, it's not good. When we don't have relationship, it's not good. I don't know everything about the Scripture. A lot I don't know. But apparently in the eons of time, God would come down in the cool of the day and he would talk with Adam. And it was a wonderful relationship. But even though God would come down in the cool of the day and he would talk with Adam, there was still something missing in Adam's life because God said, it's not good that man should be alone. See, folks, we've got a God-sized-shaped vacuum in all of our lives. Everybody says amen. amen. According to Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, God's put eternity in our hearts. We've got a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts, but apparently we've got a human-shaped vacuum in our hearts too. In every one of us, there's a desire for relationship, and there's a desire to be relationally fit. A little boy got scared one night, and his mother came in there and sat on the bed by Johnny and tried to calm Johnny down. And he said, Mom, will you sleep with me? I'm scared. And she said, no, no, no. I, I've got to go in here and sleep with your dad. But she said, Johnny, I want you to know, Jesus is with you. He said, I know, Mama. But he said, I need somebody with skin on. <laughs> and what I've learned about life Sometimes we need somebody with skin on. I, I read a book recently by Francis Chan entitled Letters to the Churches. And he said something in that book that I thought was interesting. He talked about in that book how some churches are known for the great orator in the pulpit, just the great proclaimer of the Word of God. And almost when you think of that church, you think of that person. And he said some churches are known for their music. They've got a fabulous music program. He said some churches are known for the edifice. They're, they're known for their beautiful facility. But Francis Chan alluded to John 13 and 35 when he said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples that you have love one for another. And let me tell you something, folks. Rather than our church be known for some great musical program or some great preaching or our facilities, I'd rather Rock Springs Church be known for the place that cares about people, for the place that just loves people, that just loves people unconditionally. Because the Bible says that's what we ought to be known for. We ought to love people, folks, no matter what their shape is in life. We ought to love people until they ask us why. We ought to love people until they ask us why we love them. And then we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. We ought to earn the right to share the gospel with them. And that only comes through loving people. Now, my life's very busy. I, most people's life is busy. I, sometimes if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And I did something, folks, basically out of a little bit of an obligation, and I really didn't know if I would enjoy it. But I did something. I 
I started something in my home, I started a life group in my home. I started it not really knowing that I would even enjoy it. But after I got into it, it brought me a lot of joy. The relationships brought me a lot of joy. Because, see, folks, we need one another. And God said that we, it's not good that man should be alone. You say, well, Pastor Benny, this whole deal about life groups, where did this come, where did you come up with this wonderful thinking? I didn't come up with it. For the first 300 years of the church, there were no buildings. Where did they meet? They met in homes. They met in homes. Do you know 19 times in the Bible it's mentioned Jesus was in homes? 26 times in the New Testament it mentions they met in homes. So I just said that to say this. On February the 3rd, we're launching our life groups again. And if you're not involved in one, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get in a life group. There's an insert in your bulletin. I want to encourage you to get signed up. Perhaps you want to lead one. But I'll promise you, it will enhance your life just as it's enhanced my life. Now, here's what I want to talk to you. We're on the porch, but we're getting ready to go into the house. I want to talk to you about how we can have better relationships, how we can be relationally fit. I look today at hundreds of people. And you know what I know about 11% of the men in this room? 11% of the men in this room have a close friend. Only 11% of the men in church say they have somebody that they consider is a close friend. So how can we have better relationships? Number one, get in the right relationship with you. Get in the right relationship with yourself. Here's a deep thought. Wherever you are, there you are. And you can't get away from you. You can't get away from you. It's kind of like the guy that was involved in an automobile accident and he jumped out of the car. And he said to the lady, he said, you need to watch where you're driving. You're the fourth car that's hit me today. <laughs> well, I don't think it was everybody else. I think it was him. Now, listen, listen to what the Bible says in Mark 12 and 31. It says, love thy neighbor, and we get that part down, but we miss this part, as thyself. See, folks, many people can't get right with other people because they're not right with themselves. They can't get right with their wife because they're not right with themselves. They can't get right with their husband because they're not right with themselves. I saw this the other day. There was a young man, there's a young man named Trevor Lawrence. He's the quarterback for the Clemson Tigers. And this young man, 18 or 19 years old, I heard give this testimony and I thought, He's 18. I wish 28-year-olds could learn that. He gave that testimony, and I said, I wish 38-year-olds could learn that. I wish 48-year-olds could learn that. I wish 68-year-olds could learn what this young man from Cartersville, Georgia, by the way, born in Knoxville, Tennessee. I just had to throw that in. 
This young man, I wish, could learn this. Look what he said. I mean, football's football's important to me, obviously, but it's just it's not my life. It's not uh, it's not like the biggest thing in my life. I would say uh, my faith is. So that just comes from kind of knowing um, knowing who I am outside of that. So I just know, no matter how big the situation is, it's not really going to define me. Just, just putting my identity and you know what what Christ says, what, who He thinks I am, and who I know that He says I am. So. Really, like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what people think about me or how good they think I play or whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter. So that's definitely been a big thing for me, just uh, in my situation, just knowing that and having confidence in that. 18? My identity is not what in other people think of me. My identity is not in how well I do. My identity is not in what I own. My identity is not in my status. My identity is not in my body. My identity is not in my looks. My identity is not in my bank account. My identity is not in how many people are listening to me. My identity is in Jesus Christ. You know, I was reading and I found out that many people, I, I think, can't get a true identity because they can't get past the past. They can't get past the past. They keep beating themselves up over the past. And they're not able to get in the right relationship with themselves. You said, Pastor Benny, I'm struggling. I saw a poll that said 75% of people struggle with what's in the past. 75% of the people struggle with what's in the past. That means three out of every four. So if you're around four people, three of the four right now struggle with getting past the past. See, here's what I believe. You need to quit listening to yourself and you need to start talking to yourself. You need to quit listening to yourself and you need to start talking to yourself because death and life is in the power of the tongue. You say, well, Pastor Benny, tell me, tell me what I need to tell myself. You need to tell yourself three things. You need to tell yourself, first of all, I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. You say, Pastor, where did you get that out of, the, out of the Scripture? Look what Isaiah 43 and 18 says. Remember ye not the former things. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You say, but Pastor Benny, I've messed up again. What do I do? What will wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What will make me whole again? nothing but the blood of Jesus. So you need to tell yourself, God has forgiven me. God said it, and that settles it. Think about this one. Look at me, folks. I've got eyes right here. You do too. You're just like me. You've got eyes right here. Now look, God didn't put eyes back here. Well, God's the creator. Why didn't God put eyes back there? 
because he wanted you to look forward. He wanted you to stay focused on the future. He wanted you to reach for the stars and not to reflect on the scars. He wanted you to realize anything that you can remember, he can forget. He wants you to realize he didn't come to rub your sins in. He came to rub them out. And you need to tell yourself on a regular basis, I'm forgiven. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now, wait. You know what God's going to do? You not only need to tell yourself I'm forgiven, but God's going to do a new thing in my life. Look, look, get this. Look right here. Behold, I will do a new thing. <laughs> now it shall spring forth. You say, Pastor Benny, our marriage has been to hell and back. Let me tell you something. Your marriage won't ever be the same. But your marriage can be better. <laughs> your marriage can be better. Your situation can be better because what God can do, God can take the mess-ups of life and he can turn around and he can use them for good and he can do a new thing in your life. Amen? Yes. Let me tell you something else. You need to tell yourself, God's forgiven me. God's going to do a new thing. And here's the third thing you need to tell yourself. <laughs> God is not punishing me for my past. God is not punishing me for my past. Look what Romans 8 and 1 says. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You say, Brother Benny, the bad things that are happening to me, God's punishing me. Folks, I want you to know something. He's not that kind of God. He's not that kind of God. So you say, Brother Benny... How can I get physically fit? Get in the right relationship with yourself. Number two, believe the best in people. Believe the best in people. And I'll promise you, if you believe the best in people, it will change every relationship that you have. It will change every relationship that you have. There was a teacher it was the first day of school, and she got the students' names. Beside one was 154. Beside the other was 136. Beside the other was 142. She said, my goodness, what IQs. And she started preparing more innovative, more challenging lessons that she had, than she had ever prepared in all of her years of teaching. The year ended, that class exceeded every class she had ever taught. And she said, I'm not surprised. They were brilliant kids. And the principal said, they weren't brilliant kids. 136, 142, 154. That wasn't IQs. That was their locker numbers. But you saw them, and you believed in them, and you challenged them. Folks, there's power when we believe in people. You want to have better relationships? Believe in people. You say, Pastor, where did, where did you uh, get this from? Jesus. Jesus. Luke chapter 19 there was a man, Luke chapter 19, he was a tax collector. His name was Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus, he was a, Zacchaeus was hated. Let me explain. He was a Jew that worked for the Roman government. And those tax collectors would charge exuberant taxes even to the Jewish people. And so he was hated by everybody. Tax, collator, tax collectors were hated by everybody. Now, I don't know everything about him. But I remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Anybody ever heard that song other than me? Okay, three of you. Hey, all right. But he, he, he was just a wee little man. I, I, this is all I know about him. I know he was rich, real rich. I know he was a short little guy. I'll tell you who I think he would have looked. If we had been there in biblical times, I think he would have looked like this guy. I believe he would have liked, looked like Boss Hogg on the, on the Dukes of Hazards. I really believe. Remember, he was a little short guy, and he loved money. Remember him in Roscoe P. Coltrane? Yeah, you remember, Boss. But in Luke chapter 19, it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a certain man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, for he was rich. Now, he was rich. There's no doubt in my mind, there's no doubt in my mind that this man was called a fraud. He was called a cheater. He was called a crook. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down, for I'm going to abide at your house. Now, the people called him a fraud. They called him a crook. But his name, Zacchaeus, actually means pure. Pure. Jesus saw him, ladies and gentlemen, for what he could become. Jesus didn't see him where he was. Jesus saw him where he could be. He saw him where he could be. And you say, what happened in his life? Well, look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, half my goods I give to the poor. If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I want to restore him fourfold. And Jesus said, This day salvation is coming to your house. You say, Pastor Benny, how, how, can I, how can I believe the best in people? Take a closer look. Ask God to show you something good about the person. Don't look for their faults. Look for a favorite. Number two, assume something good. Instead of the worst, assume something good. Number three, see people as God sees them. The Bible says Jesus saw people with compassion. What does it mean he saw people com with compassion? It means he suffered with them. When Jesus saw a person that had leprosy, he thought, I wonder what it would be like to have leprosy. When Jesus saw a person that was hungry, Jesus thought, must be terrible to be hungry. When Jesus saw a person that was blind, he said, it must be terrible to be blind. How can we have right relationships? See people as God sees them. Get in the right relationship with yourself. Believe the best in people. Number three, you go first. You go first. I went out to find a friend, could not find any. I went out to be a friend, and I found plenty. Where'd you get this from, Pastor Benny? Proverbs 18 and 24. A man who had friends must show himself friendly. I'm saying you go first. 
Nobody invites me to lunch. When have you invited somebody to lunch? Nobody comes to my house. Well, when have you gone to somebody's house? Nobody expresses care for me. Well, when have you expressed care for somebody? Nobody sends an encouraging text to me. Well, when have you sent an encouraging text to somebody? You go first. A man seeking counsel from Dr. George Crane, the psychologist, confided that he hated his wife. And he said, I'm going to divorce her. I want to hurt her all I can, he said. Well, in that case, Dr. Kane said, I advise you to start showering her with compliments. When you become indispensable to her and she thinks you love her deeply, then you divorce her. That's the way to hurt her. Some months later, the husband returned to report that all was going well. He had followed the suggested course. Good, said Dr. Crane. Now's the time to file for divorce. Divorce! The man said, never, never, never. I love her deeply. This is what I'd say to you. You say, well, if my wife would just do this, you go first. Amen? You go first. If you treat her like a thoroughbred, you probably won't end up with a nag. You go first. <laughs> and I'd say to the wife, you go first. You go first. You say, well, if he just do this. No, 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 you go first. He, you say, Pastor Benny, no, no, no. He may not be a hunk. He may be a chunk, but you go first. <laughs> you go first. You say, Pastor Benny, how, 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 can, I, how can I go first? How, how can I go first? First of all, just be likable. Just be likable. Every time I get a new staff member, I teach them the 30-second 30, 30 rule. Every time I get a new staff member, I say, this is the 30-second rule. Everybody you come in contact with, within the first 30 seconds, you compliment them on something. It's just a 30-second rule. All people respond to praises and raises. It's just a 30-second rule. It's just a 30-second rule. I mean, then let it be a good compliment. Don't let it be something like, you know, you don't sweat much for a fat girl. No, 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 not like that. Not like that. <laughs> So you're likable. And then, folks, you're loving. If you're likable and you're loving. And then you're loyal. You can't eat your friends and still have them. And fourth of all, you're liberal. You're liberal. You say, Pastor, what do you mean liberal? I mean, you're giving. You're giving. You're looking to give instead of looking to get. You say, Pastor Benny, this is deep. Where do you come up with all this profound stuff? The Bible. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. You're liberal. I was on the treadmill one day this week, and I looked up, and it was Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And now, folks, I know you're entitled to your own opinion no matter how wrong it may be. <laughs> but I appreciate the men and women that are protecting us. <laughs> I said, Barbara, it's, it, it's National Law Appreciation Day. 
Have you got some banana bread? Oh, if you haven't had her, you could put that especially on this fast, I tell you. You, you. you could put that banana bread on top of my head and my tongue would beat my brains out. I mean, I said, Barbara, have you got it? She said, I've got four loaves. I said, there's this sheriff and there's that sheriff and there's that sheriff. And on that day, I drove to every one of those sheriffs. Every one of those sheriffs. And some of them, I'd get them on the phone. I'd say, you're not here. And they say, oh, but pastor, I'll be by there to get it. I'll be there by there to get it. One of them even said to his staff, you better not eat that bread. <laughs> I'm just saying, folks, this is not rocket science. You go first. Let me, let me give you two quick points right quick. Number four, give people a second chance. Give people a second chance. People are going to mess up. Since it's just us, how many of you in your life have messed up today? <laughs> but many times, folks, when people mess up, we want to be a pouncer. We want to pounce on them. Or we want to be a pointer. We want to point a finger at them. Or when they mess up, we want to be a powder. Sometimes we want to be a packer. I'm going to just pack up and leave. But I'm going to give you a verse. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, Be ye kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. How many times, folks, has the Lord forgiven us? Who am I to pound or pounce or point or pack or pout on anybody else? Let, let, me, let me give you the last point and I'm done. Pray with them and for them and make them aware. Pray with them and for them and make them aware. I was reading the Bible. And folks, let me say this. It's wonderful to pray for people. It's wonderful. I commend you for doing that. But let me say something. Let people know you're praying for them. You say, well, where did you ever come up with that concept out of the Bible. Paul wrote a book in Romans 1 and 9, and he let them know, the Christians at Rome, he let them know, I'm praying for you. When he wrote a letter to the Ephesian church, he let them know, I'm praying for you. When he wrote a letter to Colossae, he let them know, I'm praying for you. When he wrote a letter to Thessalonica, he let them know, I'm praying for you. Let me say this, folks. Pray for people, but let them know that you're praying for them. There's nothing any more powerful. Let, let, me, let me tell you something. You said, Pastor Benny, you're, you're a super Christian. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. 
I have been so low in my life that I couldn't even pray. And it was so encouraging when somebody was praying for me. And they let me know I'm praying for you. Barbara said to me, she said, I've ordered you a book. I said, you have? What's the name of the book, Barbara? She said, the name of the book is The Power of a Praying Husband by Stormy O'Martin. And I said, uh, well, no need to order that book, Barbara. I've already got that book. It's in my library. And I've already read that book. But what rolled in my mind, God, are you trying to say something to me? See, folks, I believe when you don't listen to your wife, you miss 50% of what God's trying to tell you. And all the women said, And I said, well, perhaps I am supposed to read that book. And I go to my bookshelf and I pull that book out. And I see where I'd read the book. When I read a book, I'll underline it. If it's good, I'll write good. If it's real good, I'll write gold. And I wrote gold all over that book. Stormy did a good job in that book. And Stormy Martin said this, oh, Martin said this. She said, there are four things that every woman wants from her husband. Four things that every woman wants her husband to say. Number one, every woman wants her husband to say, I love you. Every woman wants her husband to say, you're beautiful. Every woman wants her husband to say, the bills are paid. And every woman wants her husband to say, I am praying for you. I am praying for you. I don't, folks, I'm, I read where one out of every two marriages are ending in divorce. And then Billy Graham's organization said, but one out of every 1,014 Christian marriages end in divorce. I said, what constitutes a Christian marriage? What makes my marriage a Christian marriage? What makes your marriage a Christian marriage? And they said this, where a husband and wife daily pray together. Pray for people. But not only pray for them, but let people know it. Let them know it. Let me tell you something. Pray with people. Pray for people. But you let them know that you're praying for them. It's amazing what the Lord would do. If we get in the right relationship with ourselves, if we believe the best in people, if you go first, if you give people a second chance, if you pray with them and for people, Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. 
B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.